Father God, we just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for all these awesome people that you've sent our way. We just thank you, Father, that we are learning and we are growing together. I just thank you, Father, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 11, that the word of God brings healing to us this morning. I just thank you, Father, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We want to have ears to hear what you would say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, would you just say amen? Amen is just a fancy term that means I agree. Now, we like to interact here. Um, Of course, Mary is here, so I'm sure she'll interrupt me again as she has the last two weeks. But uh, we like to we like to interact, and we, I'm just kidding. Come on, don't we love Mary? Come on, encourage Mary, man. We love Mary. Notice she's sitting a little further back, you know, so it might might not interrupt as much. But it's okay to laugh. It's okay to clap. It's okay to have fun. We we believe that that God's word is living and alive and active. And so I have a very special word that I want to bring to you this morning. If you could pull up our title slide today, we're going to be talking about absentee God. How many of you noticed that it's political season? Did anybody realize it's an election year? <laughs> election? What is that? Hey, and by the way, you should vote. Come on, amen. You should vote the Bible. You should vote and exercise that right. But I've been hearing so many uh, thoughts and criticisms about senators and governors that are absent from their state. And there's these big accusations coming up. And now this is not a political sermon, so you can relax a little bit. We're not endorsing candidates today and it's making you sign a pledge card, you know, who to vote for and all that. Not doing any of that. But but I, I begin to think, uh, Kaylee, as I begin to just watch this election coverage, and it's kind of funny. Isn't it kind of interesting? I kind of watched some of these debates just to kind of get a kick and kind of get a laugh. There's so much going on. It's very serious. This is a very serious election, especially for the church and religious liberty and all those things, but I get a kick out of the way it's just going down. How many of you have watched a debate and thought, come on, guys, grow up? Come on, anybody felt that? Come on, let's grow up a little bit. And, uh, you know, but it makes for good ratings and TV, and I get it. But one of the accusations against all the candidates were, well, you should be running our state. You're spending so much time out campaigning. You're governor of this state. We haven't seen you. You're senator. You've not been voting. And, and, you know, where are you? And why have you not been helping our state? Do you not care about... As us do not care about our state. And I begin to think about this, and I thought, you know what? So many people ask this question. This is a really important question. Does God really care about me? How many of you would be honest and say at one point in your life, you've asked that question, you've presented that question. Does God really care about me? Am I just a speck of dust in this world? There's 7 billion people. Why would God in heaven notice me? You see, there's a difference between believing there's a God and then knowing that there is a God who actually loves you and cares you, cares about you and knows your name. And the Bible even says he has the hairs on your head number. I mean, you know, for some of you, that didn't take quite as long. <laughs> but for the rest of you with hair, God numbers the hair on your head and God cares about us. But this world moves at a really fast pace. Has anybody noticed that things are really moving fast? And this world has a lot of problems in it. How many of you wake up and sometimes you realize there's problems and we have issues in life? We all have things that we face. And so, so many people feel like God is distant. How many of you would admit at some point in your life you felt like God was distant? Maybe God feels like this giant cosmic uh, being, this distant force in the sky that is impersonal. And this whole message today is just to tell you this answer, that we do not have an absentee God. There really is a Father in heaven, and He really does love you, and He really does love me, and He really wants to be involved in our life. 
no matter how we feel. How many of you know we let our feelings control a whole lot of our life? Listen, I'm thinking of that song. What is it? Feelings, wonderful feelings. Is that, should I stick to preaching? Okay, all right. Bob's like, yes, please. So I understand feelings. Feelings are good. I love feelings. I love when I'm excited. This is what I say. Let feelings in the car, just don't let them drive. Allow your emotions in the car, just don't give them the driver's seat. And so we can't base our relationship with God on just how we feel. God feels far away. God feels distant. And so this, this thought began, and I thought we would just play off of the election coverage here and, and ask the question, is, is God out there? Does he really care about us? So this morning, it's going to be just a little different because I have a mandate to preach short. They have given me a tiny little time frame to preach today. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take a look at some scriptures that remind us of how much God loves us and how much God cares about us. Anybody need a good reminder of how much God loves us? Check this out in Psalms. Pull it up, Jazz. Psalm chapter 8. I just want this to settle in. Look at Psalm chapter 8 and verse 5. Yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Verse 4 actually says this. It says, what are mere mortals? What are humans that you should think about them? What are human beings that you should care about them? And then verse 5 says, you've made them a little lower than God. You've crowned them with glory and honor. Look at verse 6. You gave them charge over everything that you've made, putting all things under their authority. And so the psalmist David here is looking up and looking at all that God has made, looking at all God's creation and saying, what is mere man that you would care about him? And then he goes on to say, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor. Would you say this with me? And would you say it out loud? Say, God cares about me. God cares about me. And I really do believe that. Look at Zephaniah. I mean, oh, you went, might not want to name your kid Zephaniah. I mean, that's hard to spell. I mean, a nice name, but it's very hard to spell. Look at Zephaniah. If you're in here and your children are named Zephaniah, we love you. No, <laughs> no offense. I heard a story one time about a preacher, Sherelle, true story, that was preaching and he was talking in, the, in, in Acts when, when Dorcas was raised from the dead and the preacher said, don't name your kid Dorcas, you know, and he was kind of giving a hard time there. And all of a sudden... Uh, after the service was over, this old lady walked up, and she was on a cane, <laughs> and he's, he knew what was happening, and true story, she walked up, and she said, mister, do you know what my name is? <laughs> he said, yes, ma'am, I think I have a good idea. <laughs> Here's my wallet, you know, take it, take everything out, and so we got to be careful, obviously. Look at Zephaniah chapter 3. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I love this scripture. For the Lord your God is living among you. This is a prophecy. This is a reaffirmation for the people of God. It says, for your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. I felt the, the touch of the Lord on my life, Johnson, as I was preparing this message with this verse right here. I could read this scripture and we could go home and we could be blessed. I want you to catch a truth here because I understand American Christianity. American Christianity says if you be a good little Christian and go to church, God loves you. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, he's a good Christian? Like, is there a bad one? <laughs> Come on. I'm not, you know, I'm not that good of a Christian. You know, it's East Tennessee. I'm just not, you know, I'm, I love God. I'm just not that good of a Christian. And we separate, and it's like, well, he's, he's such a good Christian. Uh, you know, hey, if you're a follower of Christ, there's not a bad Christian. Come on, can I have an amen? 
And then I understand American Christianity where it's all about if we read our Bible, if we put money in the offering plate, if we, if we come to church every time the doors are open, then God will help us when we have trouble. If my kids get sick, he'll help me because I've earned a little capital with a big guy upstairs because, you know, I come to church, man. I put money in the offering. I sacrifice. I come to egg hunts. I serve. I cook. I do all this. And we feel like God loves us because of what we do when, in fact, God loves us because of what Jesus did. God doesn't love you based on what you do or have done or haven't done. He loves you based on what Jesus did. And that's already done. You can't change that. There is nothing you can do to make God not love you. Absolutely nothing. Isn't that good news? I'm about to jump out of my skin. That's such good news. But how many know that'd be a little gross? <laughs> that's not good for church growth, Candy. <laughs> but look at this passage. It says, he will delight in you with gladness. How many of you have ever seen someone out in public? And you, let's be honest, you saw him coming down the aisle at Walmart and you went the other way. <laughs> Come on, you people, I know I got an honest guy here. You saw somebody and you're like, oh man, there's so-and-so. Let's go this way. You weren't opening their arms with gladness. Sarah's like, I just did that yesterday with you. I saw you at Walmart and I went the other way. <laughs> now Sarah's interrupting me. Last week it was Mary, now it's Sarah. But how many know, sometimes we see people and we're not very happy to see them. That will never happen to you in this church. Every time you darken those doors, we will love you. We will celebrate you. We will encourage you. You will feel so loved and warm and welcome. You'll feel warm because it gets hot. <laughs> but we've got the air on today. But listen at this verse. God will delight in you with gladness. You know when you get up in the morning and say your prayer, read your scriptures, God is so thrilled to see you. I want to ask you to say this with me because it's really important to say, God delights in me, delights in me. With, gladness. with gladness. Here's what's really cool. God delights in you, even with all of our shortcomings and all of our failures and all of our weakness. He delights in me. And with his love, he will calm all of our fears. What I'm telling you today is not something I'm just reading off the screen. This is something that is a real living truth in my heart. My heavenly father loves me. He thinks I'm awesome. I'm actually his favorite. <laughs> just to tell you. And you can be too. <laughs> I tell my kids, I have three kids, for those of you that are new. Uh, I tell people I have three. My wife has four. I'm the fourth kid. <laughs> we have one on the way, so we have four. We'll have four children. I, I, and I don't know about five. We'll see. Let's, let's get through four. <laughs> I would be number five. Now Johnson's interrupting me. Where are these ushers? Come on here, people. <laughs> but but I, I tell each of my kids, I tell Ava, my oldest, I say, Ava, you're my favorite oldest daughter. She's like, well, I'm your only oldest daughter. I said, yeah, but you're my favorite. And I tell Noah, because I can say this right now because we don't know the gender of our baby, but I say, you're my favorite son. You're my favorite little boy. You're, you know, and eventually he'll be my favorite oldest boy. And then I'll tell Lillian, you're my favorite little baby. And she goes, bleep, 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 you know. <laughs> and that means I know daddy. That's what that means. Because she's like one. And so I tell each of my kids that they're my favorite. And listen, everybody in this room, you're God's favorite. God has such a heart for you. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Listen, if you really believe this, would that change how you pray? Would that change how you serve God? 
Would that change how you receive from God? I'm not trying to get God to love me. I'm already so loved by God. I'm trying to let myself receive how much God loves me. Say this, say, God thinks I'm awesome. Say, if God were a preschool teacher, he'd give me all smiley faces. <laughs> because that is true. I begin to think about some, some characteristics of God. And I want to show you four, real quick, four characteristics of God's care, four attributes of God's care. I just begin to think about God and how much he cares about us. He's not an absentee God. He may seem distant and miles away, but if you will open your heart and draw near to him, the Bible says he will draw near to us. Check this out. Number one, the first attribute, it's my favorite, is compassion. Let's just look at these scriptures very quickly. God is a God of compassion. He cares about us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our compassionate or merciful Father. He is the source of all comfort. So this God that I'm talking to you about today is the source of all compassion, the source of mercy, the source of compassion. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Man, I love this. If I'm ever feeling down, Denise, or if I'm ever feeling out, or pushing off discouragement, I'll get the Bible and I'll read this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Look at this next one in 23. I love this. Great is his faithfulness. Boy, this is good. You ready? Say, this is good. Check this out. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So if you've had a bad day, go to bed. <laughs> if you've had a bad day, go to bed and wake up. And every single day, the mercies of God are brand new. The compassions of God never fail. They are brand new every morning. And so, man, if I've had a bad day, I'll just flat out go to bed. I'll get up, hit reset, start all over because God's mercies are brand new every morning. God is a God of compassion. He cares about his children. Look at number two, the second attribute is affection. You notice we're going somewhere here, CA. You guys know that we like acronyms around here. So this will be really easy for you to remember. God is a God of affection. I want to ask you this. I know it sounds goofy, but you, you won't be surprised. I want you to just hug yourself right where you are. Just kind of just, just hug yourself and say that God loves me. Come on, just God loves me. I know now if you're, if you're uh, married, you can hug your spouse and just say God loves you. God loves you. One of the attributes of our Heavenly Father is affection. You know what changes Christianity from every other world religion? I'm not knocking all these religions. I'm not putting down Islam and all these other deals or any religion you want to think of. Even, even some Christian religions don't, don't get this. You know what separates true Christianity from all other world religions? This term right here. It's affection. My God is not asking me to put on a bomb and go blow myself up. My God is asking me to let, let him love me, and he wants to heal my body. He wants to help me and lift me up. And the thing that makes the God that I serve different, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is he is a God of affection. He knows and cares about us. Look at Psalm 139. Look at, I want to ask my main man, Louise, to read this for me. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber their grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Come on, wasn't that good? Encourage Louise, wasn't that good? Wanted to bless you with this Peruvian accent today. 
I couldn't even try to do that, my friend. But I love this. Go back to verse 17. Check this out. Our God is a God of affection. How precious are your thoughts about me. Even when we sin and miss the mark, and even in our ugliness, God has precious thoughts. Would you say that with me? Ready? Start at how? Ready? Read. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. You are always on the mind of God. Look at Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. I just want to share with you, and I want to combat what religion tells us. Religion says we have to work for and earn and deserve God's love. But look at Jeremiah 31, 3. He tells this of the people of God. He says, long ago, the Lord said to Israel, and if you study the Bible because of what Jesus did at Easter, dying and rising again on the third day, because of what Jesus did, we are now called spiritual Israel. And I don't want to get into that too much or split hairs, but all the promises that you see to the people of Israel, we can now apply to us as the New Testament church. God said this, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. How many of you know someone that has possibly had a broken marriage? And, and, and I have. I've known folks like that. And one of the things they say is, I just I fell out of love. Or I just don't love these people anymore. My spouse and I know, my, my beautiful wife, Miss Tara, we know that I will never quit loving her because love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And every day I choose to love her. Love is based on the character of the giver, not the character of the receiver. Let me say that again. Love is based on the character of the giver, not the character of the receiver. God's love for me is based on him and his character. And the Bible says he loves us with an unfailing love. Look at number three. I love this one. Number three, the third attribute of God is restoration. God loves to take things that are a mess and broken, and he loves to put them back together. I can tell you story after story of folks' marriages that were just in shambles, folks' lives that were in pieces. God meets us wherever we land. And the thing that is awesome about God, I won't, I won't read it, but Joel chapter 2, you can read it later. God is giving a prophecy, and it says he will restore uh, to, they had harvest and crops at this point. And the Bible says God would restore what the worms had eaten. And how many of you know, sometimes our life, we've lost time because of worms. We've lost time because of bad marriages. We've lost time. Listen, we've lost time because of bad financial situations. We've lost time because of bad health. Satan has stole from you because of your health. Satan has stole from you because of your job. Satan has stole time from you, time from your family. And the, the Bible declares that God will restore what the worms and the locusts have eaten. And he will bring back to you and I what God intended for us. Look at Isaiah 61. If you have a brokenness right now, if you've lost time, please hear me. We're almost done. We're getting ready to go eat hot dogs. Everybody like hot dogs? We've got food, candy. we got more candy. We, we, all the dentists in the area will absolutely love our church after this weekend. We have so much candy. We probably have almost, I don't know, almost what, maybe 1,500 Easter eggs, 2,000 Easter eggs. I don't know. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eggs. All of them have candy. It's going to be awesome. But before then, we've got to talk about this. Look at this promise from Christ. Some of you are in a brokenness right now. Some of you are, you've lost time. You've lost time with your family. You've lost time in the destiny of God. This morning, I want to tell you that God's character is to restore. God is going to restore. Matthew, I sense that real strong for you. I don't want to point you out here, but I just sense that the Lord would, 
would say to you that, that he knows that there has been a season that you feel like the, the time was lost and that you feel like you'll never get that time back. But I just sense God saying, I'm going to accelerate you and your family and I'm going to restore everything Satan has stole from you. And so I just want you to receive that today. Come on, can we give God thanks for his word? Amen. Don't be weird about that, but the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that that's called a word of knowledge or word of wisdom, and I just believe God's living, and if God's alive, he wants to talk to his kids, amen? So Matthew, a great restoration is coming. It's going to be like the shiny, shiny, shiny car that was old and rusty and beat up, and then someone took it under their garage, and they put all the effort, put all the energy, and when you roll that car out, you can never even tell that it was the old rusty car, and I just sense a shiny new car in the spiritual realm. I'm not saying he's getting a new shiny car, but I sense your family coming out as this shiny new, cor whatever, Corvette. We'll claim it in Jesus' name. Amen? And so I just hope you receive that. We're not talking material stuff. You understand we're talking in our spirit. Look at Isaiah 61 7. This is, say, this is for me. This is a promise issued by Jesus. It says, instead of shame and dishonor, See, we find ourselves in shameful situations. We find ourselves in dishonoring situations. You will enable a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. That's a promise to me and a promise to you. Let's look real quickly at the fourth attribute of God's care. Not only is God a God of compassion, not only is God a God of affection, not only is the God that I love and serve a God of restoration, but he's a God of encouragement. He is a God of encouragement. God believes in you more than you believe in you. Listen, your, your father may have never told you good job. Your father on earth may have never affirmed you. And you lived your whole life feeling like you were never good enough. And you lived your whole life feeling like nothing you could do would ever please your father. And I want to tell you that, and I'm sorry for that. I know that hurts, and I know there's wounds there. But Luis, your heavenly father is a God of encouragement. Look at Psalm chapter 3. Oh, Lord, so many are my enemies. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever said, oh, man, I got a lot of enemies? Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. Look at verse 2. I hope this is helping you today. So many are saying God will never rescue him. So many are saying don't go to church. You don't need that religion. God can't help you. Why would you go to church? Why would you give your money to a church? All they do is ask for money. No, 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 no. God can't help you. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But oh, I know differently. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. I quote this scripture all the time. I say this over my family. I mean, you get, according to the Bible, what you say. If you say the scriptures, you will begin to see eventually the scriptures coming to pass in your life. This is not just a book of rules and do's and don'ts. This is a living book of how much God loves us. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. Another translation says, you're the lifter of my head. Would you say that? You're the lifter of my head. Let's say it again. You're the lifter of my head. See, society pushes you down. See, shame pushes you down. Satan and what he wants to do in your life, he wants to push you down. And God comes to you. Uh, just this week, uh, we had to do something with our little uh, dog. It was sick and ill, and we had to put the dog down. It's just been a very, very sad time. My little daughter just loves this little dog. And so I spent all day yesterday lifting up her head because she had a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. And it hurts me when my daughter hurts. You know, that, that, that hurts me. And I spent all day, I, we had extra long tuck-in time last night. You know what I'm saying? 
and I kept doing everything I could do to to lift up her head because she was just she was just crushed. And God is always looking to you, saying, let me lift up your head. Lift up and look up, for our help comes near. God is always looking for ways to, to hold your head high. He doesn't want you hanging your head in shame. Listen, you are so valuable to God. You are so worth the price of Jesus' own life. Look at verse 4. I cried out to the Lord. See, that's my part. What is God's part? Go back to verse 3. This is God's part. Look here at verse 3. God's part is the one who holds my head high. God's part is to be my shield. But look at my part. Look at number 4. Look at verse 4. I cried unto the Lord. The reason we are not seeing God move in our life is because we're not inviting him into our situations. So I cried unto the Lord, and God answered. God responded. That's why you're here this morning. You're here this morning as, as an act of saying, I invite you, Lord, into my life. I, invite, I always say this about Christmas. If you take Christ out of Christmas, you got a mess. God, I invite you into my mess. He's awesome at taking messes and making them masterpieces. That's what my God does. Maybe not overnight. I'm not one of these TV preachers that say, send me money and I'll send you miracle spring water. You drink that miracle spring water upside down on your head and all of a sudden all your problems vanish and go away, okay? Now, if you do that, whatever, that's between you and God. It, it may not happen overnight. It took you 25 years to get into the mess. It may not be cleaned up overnight. But we can start the process of moving forward. Look at verse 5. I want you to see this. I cried out to the Lord. He heard me. Now I lay down and slept. See, when you call unto the Lord, he brings peace. That's what's missing in our homes is peace. That's what's missing in our families is peace. I lay down and slept. Now, don't be claiming that scripture during church. <laughs> can I have an amen? I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety. For the Lord was watching over me. Can I tell you, write this down, Psalm 3, 5. Write this down. If you're ever at home and you're alone, if you're a single mom in this house, single dad in this house, if you are ever, ever, ever home and you are ever afraid, you are ever alone, get out your Bible and read. Just remember Psalm chapter 3. That's all you got to do. Remember, 911, there's three letters. 911, just remember Psalm chapter 3. You go to Psalm chapter 3 and you begin to pray, Lord, I'm going to lay down, I'm going to sleep. And I'm going to wake up in safety because you are watching over me. Can I tell you this just randomly and then we're going to wrap it up? If God is watching over you and God is awake, the Bible says God never sleeps and he never slumbers. So listen, let me help you. If God is awake and he's watching over you, then you can go to sleep. You don't have to stay awake because God is awake and God is watching over you. Now, let me give you this real quick. This church, we never want to just tell you what you need to do. You need to do this. You need to do that. We always want to tell you how. And so look here at how, and then we're going to go hunt some eggs. How do we leave the low for the lifted? Very easy. Number one, you're doing this today. Be around the lifted. This is such a great church because we are lifted. If you want to leave the low for the lifted, he's the lifter of our head. You have got to be around the lifted. Listen, I understand people say, I can watch preachers on TV. I don't have to go to church. I can just watch that on TV. I get it. I understand that. But what, what I want you to know is that there is something that happens when we fellowship together. There's something that happens when we have unity and community together. So we've got to be around the lifted. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look at verse 25. 
Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. See, when you come into this church, the reason we meet together on Sundays is so we can encourage one another especially now as the day of the Lord is drawing near. So if you want to leave the low for the lifted, you've got to be around people that are lifted. You've got to be around people that have joy in their heart. Number two, you've got to be around the lifter, which is Jesus. John 15 says he is the vine. We are the branches. We abide in him. When you spend time in God's presence, it will lift you. If you want peace, you've got to spend time with the Prince of Peace. So we've got to be around the lifted, and we've got to be with the lifter. And number three, check this out. Be a lifter of others. Be a lifter of others. Last scripture, and I want to ask the worship team to come and get ready to help us out. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. God is merciful. God is our source of all comfort. Here it is. You ready? Look at verse 4. Here we go. we got to be around the lifted. We've got to be with the lifter. That's Jesus. And then check this out. We've got to be a lifter of others. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. God comforts me in all my troubles so that I can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Isn't that good news? Hey, friends, we don't have an absentee God. He's alive and well. And how many of you have been reminded today of just how much God loves you? I want to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. I've been so overwhelmed this last few days with how much God loves me and how much God loves us. It's just, it's just been overwhelming in my heart. You know, you came here today not knowing what to expect, but our main, our main goal, our main goal in this was to make sure that you knew how much God loves you. Is God speaking to your heart this morning? If he is, I want you to respond. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When I was at my lowest, Christ died for me. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with your heavenly father like I described, I want you to know, I want you to know today that you can change that. I want you to know today that you can make it right with Jesus. If you do not know if you died right now, tonight, if you died this evening, if you cannot say for sure that you would go to heaven or hell, please let us pray with you today. Please let us help you with that today because we believe that God loves us. So I want to ask you, I want to pray with you. I want you to be brave. I want you to be bold. And I want you to say today, for the first time, or maybe, maybe you've prayed this prayer before, that you say, man, God is speaking to me. I feel the love of God. I want to respond. I want to commit my life to Jesus today. Would you pr- please give me the honor and let me pray with you and let us love you and encourage you today? If that's you on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. If that's you, anybody in this house this morning, say, today I want to recommit my life. I want to give my life over to Christ. I want to surrender to his love. We're not going to pressure you, but we're going to always, always give you that opportunity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One more question here for you. You say, Pastor James, this morning, you helped me because now I'm going to receive from God in a much greater way. You helped me because now I'm going to pray differently because of how much God loves me. Now I'm going to love my family differently because of how much God loves me. Would you say, if, that, if that's you, would you just signify yes by raising your hand? Say, that's me. I'm going to receive, I, I, I receive a new revelation of God's love this morning. Let me pray for you. Can we all stand? Yes, amen. Let's all stand. Lord, thank you for speaking to your people. Thank you, Father, for your amazing love. 
You're such an awesome, awesome God, and we just love you so much. I pray over every person in this room today that they will leave strengthened, they will leave encouraged, they will leave full of your spirit because we're responding to your love today. We surrender to you. We give everything over to you, Lord, and we thank you for awesome things in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give God a hand of praise?